Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Greetings to wherever you are in the world. Wishing you a great day here at the Waiting List Podcast. Whether you are gymming, commuting to work, have nothing better to do, or simply have no friends, we got you here at the Waiting List Podcast. Today we have Ben from Watch Brothers here with us to enjoy, well, you can enjoy him for the next hour. Um, but first, welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, welcome. Thank you for, uh, thank you both for having me. I'm excited to be here. Right. As a long-time listener, how does it initially feel to be in the hot seat? I'm pretty nerve-wracking. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Especially as you did the intro uh, saying people at the gym, uh, et cetera. It's usually me when I'm just listening in, listening in. So it feels pretty weird to be here. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm nervous about your questions, but uh, let's go for it. Wait, so well, that, that... when do you listen to it usually? At the gym? Usually when I'm at the gym. It makes it sound like I'm always at the gym, but I'm really not. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So you go to the yeah. gym basically once a week. <laughs> yeah, Thursday. literally once a week. I've just given it away now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well what's, what's you know, I, think, I think that's the biggest compliment i, I i've been paid today you know or, or the week yeah to know that i am someone's uh a treadmill playlist <laughs> i know because like at the gym you want to listen to stuff like, like that like actually pumps you up right that makes you like hyped up yeah that's true yeah okay <laughs> yeah, well it's only if i remember my headphones you know so maybe not okay. every week <laughs> oh god like they are a must-have for me if i go to the gym and i'm halfway to the gym i don't have my headphones i'm going back to get my yeah headphones. me too me too like it doesn't happen like i, I just it just pisses me off <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not a fan of some of the gym noises i've got to be honest <laughs> yeah and, the, and the, you know with cans right it's a deterrent <laughs> people yeah, don't come true, and talk yeah. to you right because like it's obvious i've got headphones on so right yeah. But um, anyway, back to this. As someone who's uh, familiar with the show, uh, yeah. for those that don't know who you are, give us a brief intro about yourself. Sure. So uh, I'm Ben. I'm the founder of Watch Brothers London uh, here in the UK. Uh, so although London is in the name, uh, Watch Brothers is actually now based outside of London. Uh, but I'm sure we'll dig into that a little later. Uh, and so, yeah, what, what I do is just buy and sell uh, cool stuff um watches cool watches that i really like uh, and try to just guide um you know my inventory on on what i'm enjoying uh, and sharing it that way so i'm pretty new i'd say you know two three years uh really just one year full time which again i'm sure we'll we'll dig into uh, and i'm just trying to build a nice foundation uh, of connections and and watches uh, and just get stuck into uh get stuck into it you know so meeting people uh, like you on here, you know, sharing my passion for watches is just really what I'm about. So, so I'm excited to get get stuck in. Okay. So uh, you didn't like, how old are you, by the way? Yeah, so I've got a baby face, but sadly I'm 31 years old. Um, and it's, it's quickly disappearing behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so as you mentioned, you didn't start off at Watch Brothers. What were you doing before? Yeah, so until last August, I was actually working at Facebook. 
uh, or meta, whatever we call it nowadays. And I was working in design. So designing how it looks. And I think we joked about this previously. It looks the same to most people most days. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what, you made but, it more blue. <laughs> yeah, more blue. And uh, change the tone. That's what my wife always says. What's, what have you yeah. changed today? Um, but no, it was the business tools. So the back end stuff that, you know, normal users don't see. So like how you upload products to your catalog, how you display things uh, in Instagram, uh, like shoppable posts, all these things that are actually really relevant to uh, trying to sell or advertise watches on Instagram. So that kind of crossover was really handy for me uh, when I was starting Watch Brothers. I had a bit of an understanding of how how you might connect uh, to your your audience through uh, Instagram and things like that. Okay, so were you there where they decided to make Instagram shit? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, do. You, what do you mean by that exactly? And I'll see if I was well, there. Well, like it's full of these shitty re- like reels. <laughs> yeah, like that. You do end up watching some of them, but you think, oh shit, that was just a waste of my time. <laughs> <laughs> you do get dragged in a hole, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know when that came in. Um, but yeah, I've been, I was there for five years, so quite a long time, uh, and it was the biggest chunk of work I did in one place and before then I was jumping around uh, different startups in London doing you know eight months nine months different startups uh, back when it was really really hot the tech scene you know here and when startups was like the coolest thing and everybody wanted a designer and I was like oh I'll go there I'll go there you know I was just jumping around uh, and then landed at Facebook for the, the biggest chunk uh, of time before uh, moving into watches full-time okay so that then naturally leads us on to how did you get onto watches and why did you give up which was pretty a lucrative job at facebook you were making good bank there <laughs> so so i mean how i got into watches is my wife's dad uh, has a daytona and i didn't know anything about watches and we used to go on their like group family holiday every year and you'd be rocking it by the pool we'd be rocking it at the beach and i was like what is that you know and i uh, try it on i loved it and uh, i actually went and bought one of those you know, replica ones from the guys on the beach. And I was like, I am cool. <laughs> I've got one. Um, and then, yeah, you know, a week later, obviously it doesn't hit the spot. And then the saving began. Uh, and then from there, you know, I just fell down the hole of watches. Uh, and ever since I was obsessed, I started building, you know, my own collection. Um, so, yeah, I mean, quite a while back now, um, mm-hmm. we think you know, six, seven years ago. Uh, and yes, I did collecting watches, um, you know, on the side uh, while at the, you know, at the time I was working in different tech startups and then Facebook eventually. I have a question about the replica. So how <laughs> real was it? To the it was, I'll tell you what, at the time, to be honest, to me, it was really good. Um, <laughs> but then after having it for like a week and bearing in mind, I didn't know anything about watches at this point. Um, yeah, it soon did not hit the spot. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't advise anyone to do that, of course. Uh, but that—that's just my weird entry into it. I also had a, a gifted watch from my uh, from my nan uh, mm. that I had throughout university days, which which was, I think was my first watch, and mm. then my first dip into like, you know, uh, higher ended, higher branded watches was was that second story. Right. I just want to say, like your father-in-law, right? He's not a proper watch lover. He's wearing a watch on the Sandman. Like, <laughs> or he is, you know, he, uh, yeah, he loves that thing. You've never seen someone wear a watch as much as him. Trust me. Is, is he, is, is that his, uh, the only one? Is that the, his go-to, the only one daily B that does the whole thing? 
He he has two, but that's the one uh, that you'll catch him in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. So, <laughs> what what was the first proper watch you got then? Like after the Rolex knockoff? Like, did you go yeah. into like <laughs> Seiko? <laughs> did you go into Seiko? Well, or did you go? Now we're gonna have go leaders. Into... <laughs> yeah. Starting early with the Seiko banter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, no, no, the first one was actually a Daytona. So this was pre, okay. pre hype. You know, my friend uh, got a steel Daytona, uh, and then I was like, yeah, you know, that's what I want to get too. So I think at the time it cost about eight thousand pounds mm-hmm. for a Zenith Daytona, um, and that was the first one. And then it was a couple more like vintage Daytonas, then some midsize APs. You know, kind mm-hmm. of early in, into that. Um, and then yeah, it's, it just spiraled into you know all sorts of all sorts of pieces. <laughs> do you do you have a very different conversation now with your father-in-law about like watches? No, so he he like loves watches, um, and he'll talk about any, but he's not, you know, he's not uh, as kind of like nerdy about it as me, if that makes sense. Like he's got his watch, he loves it, and that's enough. Uh, right. Whereas for me, I'm like, look at this like strange complication thing from the '80s, and he's like, great. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for showing me <laughs> yeah i mean you can see them on my wall behind you know some pictures of random watches and he'll just be like yeah that's cool nice. <laughs> okay so how did you i guess come to the decision of doing um watch brothers and then transitioning into uh it being full-time yeah so when i would say halfway through the time at Facebook, so three years ago-ish, I started just getting really into studying the different, like, design styles, different, the the, the small differences that made the references or the different marks of different variants, but not the stuff that was really heavily covered in, like, Rolex forums and things like that. Uh, So I was really interested in, like, mid-size AP or uh, complications from Patek, things like that. And so my first like foray into it was uh, was a, a reference guide on the one four seven ninety and the Patek three nine forty. And Watch Brothers was literally just a blog to talk about the different variants. And it was just two thumbnails, and it was like this article, this article, and like that was it. There was nothing else to it. And um, yeah, I just spent months writing those. And when I look at them now, they're <laughs> actually fairly short. Um, but it took me a long time. Yeah, I really your- enjoyed it what was the goal? Like when you started writing those posts, like what did you expect? Nothing, to be mm-hmm. honest. It was a lot to do with my own research. So mm-hmm. I'm sure like a lot of collectors, when you're going to buy something, you spend so much time like digging into it, yeah. trying to find every last bit of info. And I was just collating the information mm-hmm. that I found. That's all it really was just putting it in one space. And then here, anyone else who wants mm-hmm. to do the same, you know, here's a, a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was it really. And I was seeing a lot of stuff misreferenced. Uh, mm-hmm. This, in, you know, in some later articles I did around the different midsize APs, mm-hmm. you were seeing them listed completely wrong. You know, and it does matter what reference it is for the price. Mm-hmm. You know, some are really rare, some aren't. Some are different sizes. Some are thirty-five, mm-hmm. some are thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to just try and help people understand what they're actually buying, mm-hmm. um, so they can make a bit of a better decision. Oh, okay. Don't worry about like having the shittest website because uh, i think we firmly take that award yeah, here at definitely. the podcast but so that was deliberate right yeah we deliberately yeah, made that was totally deliberate yeah. yeah 
Yeah, but I think on the other side, it might look it might look shit, but I think it had more of a function than yours, Ben. <laughs> at least we put our two episodes on that. Yeah, like at least we had some kind of motive as yeah. opposed to yeah curating yeah. art like uh yeah knowledge <laughs> onto a website yeah geeky <laughs> i know it, it is actually really geeky looking back um i remember when it was live and i was like oh i don't know if this is like really cool or really not cool <laughs> it was such a fine line yeah um no, yeah how, a how, fine line to some not to yeah me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well anyway how it, how it grew, grew from that to watch brothers was just um off the back of those articles you know, there, were, there was actually a lot of interest and people reading them, uh, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. And people would reach out and say, what is this? What is that? Should I buy this? Should I buy that? Mm -hmm. uh, and just gain some, you know, like a real base, real small, but like a base level of trust with some people. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that gave me the confidence and also the trust from them to either sell something to me or then me to be able to go and sell something um, via the website. So, you know, this is at the point where I started thinking, Oh, you know, there's a slight interest here. Maybe I could do something mm -hmm. with watches because uh, I'm spending all day looking at watches uh, and not necessarily um, fully focused on a day job at the time. Mm. Yeah. So like a lot of people, um, how can I say this? Like, yeah, that puts the idea in your head that, oh, potentially I could sell something to them, but then you still actually have to go and do it. So yeah. how did you go and do it? like think because these watches aren't cheap right yeah like where'd you get the capital what kind of watches do you sell you know you buy in stock and you think it's going to sell but then it's not going to sell you know it's it's stuck there like how did you get going yeah yeah so firstly i just sold some of the pieces that i had um and that was actually the hardest because they were the ones i collected so they were actually you know my first watch for example that was nft toner mm -hmm. i listed that uh, you know, I had a Tudor, I listed that. I had a GMT Rolex, I listed that. Uh, and they were really, it was all really hard to sell. You know, I'd never sold anything really, you know, let's say above a few hundred pounds on the internet. So you then try and sell high-end watches. It's a completely different ballgame. You know, you've got scams, you've got the shipping, mm -hmm. payments. Um, it was a massive learning curve. And it, it was really hard to sell those initial pieces, to be honest. Um, yeah, and then just from that reinvesting that money i also had a couple of other bits in the collection that i sold i had a patek three i can't even remember these kind of modern references now five seven twelve ah the one on the strap oh oh uh, the nautilus yeah the, yeah like the one that's not um even yeah. yeah yeah so i had one of those so that that went as well i basically just sold everything Okay. Uh, I could to try and buy stuff that was again like more in line with my taste that was changing, mm -hmm. uh, and then also enabling me to write about other things, experience of the watches and things like so that. So you sold that money, and then you got a little pot of money to buy the next thing to sell. What was the first watch that you bought, not as a collector that you liked, but with the intention to sell? And why did you pick that watch? Yeah, so oh, I should have actually looked in my sheet um, before this. I, the one that comes to mind is a Frank Muller chronograph, the the two register or three register, okay. um, the one that you know the round one, black dial yeah. that, that yeah. they've reissued. Mm -hmm. That one came through a chap who helped me write some articles. So you know, some I never met him, still haven't met him to this day on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, he trusted me to sell that watch to me. 
uh, and that was one that I bought uh, to sell. And I remember, you know, actually struggling to sell it. I'd spent all this money on it, uh, and then I listed it. Couldn't sell it. Collective Man posted one a couple of weeks later, more expensive. They're sold, and then I think the backup buyer then bought mm-hmm. mine. And <laughs> so at that point, I was like, "Yeah, this is tricky, um, but it's doable." Uh, and then I just went again and again and again, and just kept going like that, and kept adding actually to the the stock money from what I had in other savings as well. Uh, do you think a lot of the other sites and uh, platforms that sell, they don't actually have the stock and they just post it first and then figure it out later on? Oh, I think you can get a lot of that on Chrono Twenty Four, mm. uh, especially mm. for the modern pieces. Yeah, uh, I've never had that experience with you know like eighties, nineties pieces. Mm. Uh, I also just I'm a real pain for when I'm buying. I like to be really particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but now more than ever, you know, it's, it's literally like a business on the line. So I have to do as much checking as possible. So if they haven't got it in hand, mm-hmm. you know, there's no way I'm going to be buying for sure. Mm-hmm. But I have seen that happen and people do, you know, buy to request things like that. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Okay. So you've got this pool. It's not a massive pool of money. Uh, then, you know, how, how do you get more money you know because if you're if you're trading at this kind of like i mean even on kind of your niche right you're not trading nautiluses how did you define what you're actually selling today which is what would you even describe what you sell now (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's i couldn't really describe it it's it's just what's in my mind (laughs) it's it's mainly like 80s 90s bits stuff that's like slightly off the radar Stuff is not really very popular, to be honest, or like when I'm into it, it's really not super popular. And I think that kind of attracts me to it. One, because of the price point, two, because no one's really like showing it around on Instagram. So, you you know, you're almost like not first, but you're you're really into enjoying something. Uh, and then you're able to share that enjoyment and that, that story around it. Um, but yeah, back to the, the pool of capital on it. So, um. Yeah, I mean, it takes so much capital to buy and sell, uh, and I like to mainly stock everything. Uh, I do do some consignment, uh, but mainly like to buy because I want to own it. I want to wear it. You know, if I ding it, it's my problem. It's mine only. Uh, I want to have them serviced because I offer a warranty on everything. So if something comes to me consigned, you know, I need. You know, it might not be running how I want it to, and then they'll have to service it, and it might be six months, and it might just not work out. So it's a lot messier. Uh, particularly on older pieces for consignment in my experience. Um, so yeah, that, that pool of cash, you know, I had that, uh, the collection that I sold pretty much everything I made and saved at Facebook. I put into this um, pr- pretty much everything uh, apart from a small pool of savings to live on, uh, which I'm basically still living on uh, like a year in. And it's getting to the point now where that is actually going to run out. And the business will no longer be getting all the capital from sales back into the business. Some of it will have to come out as salary. So that capital pool is not going to be growing as quickly as it has been. So it's it's really getting down to the crunch time with like, can I turn over my small pool enough to make enough money to grow the business, but also pay myself uh, and live uh, comfortably? Uh, so it's definitely not all Ferraris and bottles of champagne on the beach. Like a lot of people think watch dealing is. Don't forget the yeah, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's actually like really um, 
yeah, really tough, I think, actually, to start out. And uh, I think we were joking about it before. Like, I'm I'm not dining out eating nice meals. You know, I'm eating cheap. I'm trying to save as much money as I can to put everything I've got into making it work mm. uh, and just, you know, just hoping I can do it. And that's, that's it, really. I think you actually said beans and noodles is what you're doing. <laughs> I did right say now. beans and noodles. Together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we mentioned the, the gym as well. So I need to say stuff like chicken and protein (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's really it really is um i'm I'm cutting pretty much everything out that i don't really need to try and give Mm -hmm. it everything i've got in this first year or two Mm -hmm. so one thing you said on our pre-call before this podcast is that you'd be pretty transparent with your numbers so in terms of like how much did you actually put away to live off right and then what capital did you start off with and how much have you managed to grow it in in said time frame yeah yeah no i think it's i think it'd be cool to share this stuff because i don't think it's very transparent at all mm-hmm. um how how it works you know buying selling and margins and things like that and th- i'm just going to caveat it with it this is like my experience many dealers trade different pieces different margins some consign mm-hmm. some buy etc but yeah so i mean i have a pool of cash around 300,000, I would say, which is my like working capital. Uh, and that, that obviously grows every time I sell something. Uh, I think last year, my gross kind of profit margin uh, percentage was like 13, 14%, something like that. So however many times you can turn over that 300, uh, you know, with that percent is basically what you're getting back. I think I did just under a million revenue last year. Mm. Um, so then you can kind of work out like how, how, how much money's been generated there. Uh, and bear in mind that all that time I was just trying to live off the savings. So everything about this last year has been to grow that capital, mm. um, to buy new stuff, uh, this year, slightly, uh, well, slightly better. So, you know, the percentage margin is a little more, so it's more towards 19. Um, but you've got to remember like this, this is the gross Man, you've got your your margin vat between your buy and your sell, mm. you know, your shipping, insurance, repairs, marketing, storage, uh, third party stuff like accountants, corporation tax, mm. um, and then the tax you pay when you actually pay yourself. So it quickly like disappears, and so you really have to turn over stock uh, to to make it work, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's the bit that I'm like in at the moment, basically. So would you say it's the frequency? that the speed of turning over the stock is the key. Yes, I think so, because the pieces that I'm buying, I'm just buying what I really like. And it just <laughs> annoyingly, to some extent, so it happens to be pieces that are relatively uh, you know, expensive. So the margins on those pieces aren't huge. So if, if I'm buying something for like 20,000, you know, I'm looking to sell it once I've serviced it and everything for maybe 23, 24,000 something like that. Um, but you could you could quite easily buy something much less, like something at two, one, two thousand, and you could sell it for three or four. So you, mm. your margin is a lot, you know, percentage yeah. is a lot higher. Uh, yeah. But it's just not the pieces that I'm so into. So maybe there are some around that price range and, you know, I'll buy them if I like the look of them. But the bits I'm really drawn to, I'm just still trying to stick to my roots of what I like and buy that and make it work that way and just build a foundation off those pieces off that brand reputation uh, and just sticking to my guns for now. Uh, and I want to yeah. try and keep taking those so, risks basically. 
Yeah, something you mentioned was that, you know, you're sticking around like 80s, 90s stuff that you like, right? And uh, you mentioned about the pieces that are going under the radar or kind of, quote, undiscovered. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in the neo-vintage kind of realm, there is like a limit of good pieces with good enough story that sell, right? And uh, as pieces have gone... Um, you know, modern pieces have gone crazy and independence have gone, you know, hard to get and stuff. You know, people, there's more of like a, you know, a lot of collectors are going into that neo-vintage realm because one, you know, the provenance is somewhat easier to navigate and uh, you can still get like rare stuff at like affordable, like a lot uh, more, uh, yeah, more affordable price than the stuff I just mentioned. Yeah. But there's still a limit of that stuff in terms of uh, discovering new stuff. So yeah, sure. you you worry about like, oh, what is the next thing? Because I feel like Collected Man, in a way, have kind of run out of the stuff. You know, started off with like Roger Debris, you know, the sympathy plus the homages. Then you know, it, they 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 were really on point with like FP Jean. You know, they they made I think a lot of money out of FP Jean as that as that was rising price wise. Um, Frank Muller, as you say, and but then there's, there seems to be a lack of like new stuff that you see because before you look at a website they'll look at whatever's posting you think oh i've not seen that that's really cool you yeah know? but it's becoming less don't you think yeah i mean it could be an argument for that for sure um i keep going down weird rabbit holes though things like um like 80s 90s blank pan something been really into recently uh, and you, you kind of just fall on them and you read the story and you just can't believe you haven't discovered it before so when i came across that the blank pan story I couldn't believe it was slap bang in the middle of this neo-vintage era, uh, you know, quartz crisis point. And I'd never even thought about these pieces. And uh, I got really into them, you know, put some work together on it. Uh, and I've, I've enjoyed collecting some of those. More recently, uh, Ebel or Ebel, I'm still trying to work out how to pronounce, you know, how they brought back the El Primero mm -hmm. chronograph. I had no idea. You know, I just presumed Zenith Daytona was the one that brought this back uh you know th th there's this whole story around it that i didn't even know honestly till three four months ago so that that for me has just been my recent <laughs> rabbit hole uh, and I, I do always think like oh i wonder what happens when i've finished you know reading about them what will i be reading about next like you say but stuff just comes up yeah uh, and you never know where it's going or what's coming and that's kind of the the fun part of it yeah yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to say I actually agree with Ben. Like you never run out of things to read about. And then uh it's not like um I think we all go through these phases where you meet people and then you learn about something new and then you get curious about it. And then it then you discover something that you usually wouldn't like just by design only, but then once you read about it you're like and you I don't know how it works but you convince yourself, "Hey, I need this." Like yeah. it's cool. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah and the good bit about that is if you're finding these random things yeah you can still collect them so the, these ebles or <clears throat> blank pans you know you could buy four or five or six of them mm -hmm. and have an actual collection for like less cost than yeah. steel daytona you know <laughs> you could you can sit there and look at them and look at all the different variants and it's it's cost you a fraction mm -hmm. of collecting something that everybody's talking about you yeah. go into a room no one's got one on they're like what is that mm -hmm. uh, i just love that 
exploration kind of aspect it watches um, yeah. and that's kind of what yeah keeps me going on it really yeah in terms of like the trading watches right what would you say is the biggest cost biggest cost yeah in in what terms sorry like uh not actually getting the stock but let's say like your profit like you make your money off it you make your margin and then is it storage is it photography okay. yeah. what which one is it yeah so for me i've tried to keep everything about the business super streamlined so i don't have a photographer uh, until recently i've started working with a guy called tim just to do some hero shots but i used to pretty much do all the photography myself all the marketing myself um storage is just off-site and safety like bank storage so that's not too expensive the most expensive thing is servicing for sure mm. I, I don't think this is for everyone who sells watches just for me i'm just really particular about the warranty and people buying a watch and being able to wear it and not worry that it's going to break and if it does break for me and them to not worry that we'll just get it fixed easily mm. so I've, I've spent you know astronomical amounts on servicing serviced a minute repeater blank pan mm. which some people wouldn't even look at mm -hmm. for six thousand pounds before i sold it you know and mm. i think i made you know two thousand on that watch maybe mm. but i put the initial buy and six thousand into it just because mm. i thought it was cool um so yeah servicing for sure is just huge cost for me but i i really do feel like i see the value of it mm -hmm. um but even when you do it you know stuff goes wrong i've had people open a parcel and literally go to set the time and the crown just literally just drops out in the hand. Wow. It even happened to me recently. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I've just got this back from service. So you're never safe, but yeah. just knowing that you've had that work done or you've got that, that buffer, especially mm. if you've got a small capital pool, right? You want to know that you can get stuff fixed uh, mm. and people aren't going to be strung out on the purchase from you. You want to make sure that your customer's all good mm. at all times. Mm. So when you go servicing, right, are you finding a local watchmaker to do it? Mm, so this is the uh, <laughs> this is the difficulty <laughs> i mainly do manufacturer servicing to be honest i do a lot of like blank pan breguet vacheron uh, and they're all awesome to work with generally mm -hmm. uh, you know the waiting times are long it's expensive uh, but you get all the you know you get the two-year warranty and, and the kind of safety buffer with it uh, for other bits i do have a couple of really really nice local watchmakers uh, who help me out um you know, they do a lot. I actually used to live next to a couple who were both watchmakers and I randomly bumped into him on the Rolex forum. It was a bit like a weird blind date from the internet. And uh, we kind of met up. It was, it, was, it sounds so silly now. And then I was like, oh, I'm going back, uh, back home. And he was like, yeah, me too. And I was like, I live in X. And he was like, oh, so do I. We'll share a cab. And then he literally got out of the cab like it, I don't know, 20 meters down the road. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, it was really, uh, really odd, but uh, they're, they're great friends of mine and they helped me out a lot with watchmaking. So uh, I couldn't be more grateful to them, to be honest. But it is tough if you don't know who to service stuff with or have a relationship with the brands to do that. It is very tough. I feel like take a lot of like in terms of time, right? Because some of these brands, when they service things, they, they, they do take their sweet time to do it. And when you're yeah. trying to like uh, kind of um, flip these watches or sell these watches as fast as you can it's not really conducive to that is it no it's really counterintuitive actually I, I would say two-thirds of my stock is in service at one time um so what you see on the site is probably like five pieces average maybe and then there's like 10 going through the pipeline uh, and maybe just you know a, a couple of 
you know, in the buying process. And that's roughly how, how my stock currently rotates. Uh, so, yeah, servicing is a, is a big um, backlog for me. And where, where, where do you get your stock from, actually? Yeah, this is probably my favorite part, uh, but also the most time consuming. So it, it's just talking to people. You know, I love to know what people have or what they're thinking of buying or thinking of moving. There's this common perception that collectors just collect, but they don't. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're evolving, they're changing. They're looking for new things. They want to move old things. And I just want to be uh, in the loop. Mm. you know and uh, a lot of them are good friends or become good friends uh and yeah I, I just get a lot of my stock from collectors i like to know the watch as much as i can have bought from auction a couple of times and what else sometimes on chrono you know chrono mm-hmm. 24 there's there's bargains to be had especially if you're looking in areas that people aren't mm-hmm. uh, you know not everyone's looking at blank pan on chrono 24 um but i'm there at midnight yeah. scrolling away <laughs> like do you go to like markets? And the reason why I ask is I was late for this call because I was having a dinner with uh, one of my clients. He's a, a dealer in Vietnam and he travels to Hong Kong, Shanghai, Germany. Uh, you know, he's got some of his team traveling to America that go to these local markets looking for stock. So I went to one today. I, I mean, I sent you the video, right? Yeah. And, you know, I went through the whole whole trade show if you want to call it that and i think there was only like a couple of watches that i think are suitable to well in my taste or like in your taste right yeah it was like there was a cartier cpcp like tank chinoise um that potentially you know it's in it's in the middle of like frank muller's or something you know it's just so random because these watches (laughs) are coming these dealers are from like all over china so it's amazing what actually turns up um but yeah, like, have you ever thought about like doing that? So it's the only difficulty for me is the import export side of it. So this is this is another part of dealing which is really tough. That actually private buyers don't necessarily, yeah. well, they should, but they don't necessarily have the same difficulties. So if I'm buying abroad, I really need to be importing it correctly, mm-hmm. uh, and then when I'm selling, exporting it correctly with the plus twenty percent VAT for UK buyers. Uh, and you might see that on my site. You you know you'll see it on Collective Man's site. Uh, it's just something I've adopted right from the off to just build that expectation that he does this, or like this is how he imports exports. You don't see it on everyone's site, and everyone can do it however they want to do it. Uh, but for me, I'm just trying to build it from the off that this is how I do it, and it's a lot more hassle. So if I buy something from outside the UK, I generally only sell it to the US or to mm-hmm. Hong Kong. They're like the only two areas that will buy it because US is super cheap to import and Hong Kong is, you know, is you, you don't pay any uh, import really. Uh, so yeah, I just to... really narrow narrow it down. I'm like, I'm happy to open your stock for you and do a good <laughs> job. <laughs> happy to hold it there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like play with it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that could work for sure. Uh, the, the other are bit you, is um, just... Oh, yeah, God, are you in his yeah. WhatsApp? What are you in this WhatsApp group thing, Long? Like, there's a WhatsApp thing, right? Mm-hmm. So he blasts every time he's got like watches for sale. He blasts <laughs> yeah. um this WhatsApp. It's, it's basically like yeah. a messaging, right? Yeah. And then um you see it, and it, like it is stuff you probably like. To be honest, it's kind I'll of have like, to add you in. That's yeah, add me there. in. Add me in. 
I like. I see. I, I gotta yeah. say, it's quite. Yeah. It's, it's quite. It's quite a smart way. I mean, it's the yeah. only WhatsApp dealer I'm group I'm in. Yeah. And the thing is, the way you do it is, I'm not with anybody else. Like, it's just you blasting. Obviously, I must be in a group of people in your side. But yeah, I'm. There's no one else with me, and I don't have to talk to anybody. So it's always very clean. So I just see oh, you. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's no people yeah. talking. It's just him description of the mm. thing, how much mm. it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then you message him if you want it. And then it's like, it, it's it's quite well. Efficient. Yeah. It's quite yeah. well done. Because it's the only one. I actually open it to look at it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, um, <laughs> no, because it's a bit like uh, email marketing mm-hmm. without the, the trash. Yeah. You know, and, it, like, and you're being forced yeah. it as well because I actually you're getting forced that message. But I'm in a lot of these like watch group chats and I mute everything and I don't read anything. Mm. But all the images get um downloaded into into the album, right? So the next morning it's like, oh, I look at my WhatsApp, like 95 <laughs> messages, but I don't read it, but I don't mind because when I go into my album, I'm like, whoa, cool. This is how yeah, I okay. even found out about the Simone Brett's uh the independent watch. Because it went into my album and I was like, what is this? Yeah. Right. That's cool. Yeah, this this broadcast thing, um, I could actually talk to this a bit because it's really interesting. I, I It's not my idea. There's a, a guy in London who, who, as far as I know, was one of the first to do it. So Diamond Watches London or DWL mm-hmm. London. Uh, he, he has a really successful broadcast. So, yeah, it just goes one-to-one chat. So mm-hmm. when I send the message, it goes to you in your individual chat. So you can mm-hmm. reply to me if you're interested or not. And uh, I really just do this because uh, these are the most, in theory, the most engaged people from Instagram or website. And I just don't like the fact that you're not really in control of your Instagram account. You know, like loads of people lose their Instagram account and maybe you get it back, maybe you don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you just lose all those connections. So the WhatsApp broadcast for me is like the most engaged people who I can keep close Mm-hmm. Um, just on a different level to a newsletter from email because I'm well, just I not a big email it. fan. That's the thing. Because yeah, and see, that's good. Right good now, feedback. Yeah. I, I with the Instagram right now, yeah, I can't control what I'm being shown. Well, I feel like I can't control it. I feel like yeah. I'm getting shown stuff that I don't want to see this. But with your thing, yeah, it's actually tasteful. The watches are tasteful. The images are. I'd like to look. They're very clean. I think I don't. I don't mind looking at it. Oh, you know. Uh, and there's a little. You always write a very interesting <laughs> thing about what this watch is, right? Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's quite interesting. So you learn something from it as well. But it's not yeah. it's not overload where you think, oh, it's taking way too long. You know, so you balance <laughs> it really yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, I always do the um, what I like and what you should know as the mm. two things. Because mm. you're going to get it in hand, you know. So if there's like a big old scratch across the back, I'm just going to say, there's a big scratch across the back because the last thing I want is someone returning it for something that I could have just explained. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, I just split it into those two sections and it seemed to work cool. yeah. quite well. I think only yeah, about 30% yeah. of sales come from it. The rest okay. still come from How many? About, I would say about 30% of sales come from the broadcast um, okay. and the rest come from, from website mm. or Instagram. Website. You, know, you, don't, you don't really know oh, if it's website or Instagram. Is, uh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Right. So I got another question, which is, yeah. um, you said you buy in stock, right? But there are dealers that you know work. I'm collected man. You know they, they they work off consignment, right? Yeah. Like what? What? Which, why did you pick like to buy in stock? Because, like, in terms of, I mean, you, 
you're eating beans and noodles, right? <laughs> yeah. And like all the money you do make, you never really like get it because you're putting it back into stock. You know, so when like when is it going to be a time where? Yeah, well, you're always doing that, aren't you? You know, what I mean, when does it end? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm so new still. I think the main goal for me is just brand, mm-hmm. um, like creation and just the people. So if I can get those to a really high level, uh, then in theory it should be, it should work, and then the, the money would come. If that makes sense, I just I think I really think these early years I don't need to worry or should be worrying so much about uh, the profit as long mm-hmm. as I can live. You know, I think the, the key bit is getting the foundational business set up. Uh, so really just sticking true to what I want to buy, who I want to deal with, how the business presents itself, uh, and the rest should follow. Uh, I don't have any, like, business experience, so <laughs> maybe we'll check back in two years and it'll be mm-hmm. uh, wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what I'm backing, and I, I feel could work. Um, the consignment side, you know, I could do that 100% uh, to increase the amount of stock and i should everyone will tell me who's listening they'll be screaming consign more stuff um i just don't feel as easy consigning bits one for the servicing two because it's not my watch uh, and you also kind of have to report back to like yeah. a boss yeah. you know they it's their watch they want to know when it's going they want to know why it's not selling yeah. i've just done you know 10 years in somewhat corporate desk life yeah. kind of just want to be my own boss so I do do some consignment, uh, but just with people I know and trust and want to work with. Mm. Um, And that's really it currently. But it might change. You know, I I might change tactic. It's it's not set in stone. That's cool. Well, um, this has probably gone a lot faster than you think because we're on the last question now. Oh, wait. (laughs) That's gone quick. Yeah, that's gone quick, right? Yeah. Um, Is if you had a choice, what would you have changed in hindsight, although it hasn't been long since you started, with the experience you have now, what's one thing you would have done differently? Oh, um, I think I would have set up a lot more of the fundamental stuff earlier. A prime example being shipping. So when I was buying stuff originally, I was shipping it out of like a, just a local shop with third-party insurance that I'd never tested, you know, because if you've tested it, then you've lost a parcel, right? So it was kind of, I've got this insurance, but I don't know if it works. I hope it works. I hope I don't lose the parcel, et cetera. And it was all on my, it would have been my loss there. Uh, so I was introduced luckily to a really great company who do a lot of parcels for watch companies. Um, but that's just one example to cover shipping. You know, then you've got the accountant stuff, you know, all the other areas you can have a good foundation set up before you get going. Uh, and I didn't, I kind of just went straight into it like a startup and mm-hmm. yeah, it took some getting going, but um, that I would have researched a lot of that a lot earlier, I think. Mm. Okay. Right. Well, thank you. I, I enjoyed that. That went fast yeah. for me too. That isn't always the case. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> no, I'm glad it was, uh, it was fun. Um, so we're back to the reverser round and I know you've, this has made, you know, have sleepless nights yeah many sleepless nights yeah and now you're gonna come up with a shit question aren't you um yeah i mean then i'm not gonna say they're like the best questions let's act interested now (laughs) (laughs) interested face look there's a reason why my internet keeps cutting out have you not realized why (laughs) just pretending to freeze yeah yeah (laughs) this one's this one's like a 
a thoughtful one and I'd be interested in your answer, but it's kind of a boring one, but I want to know how you think yeah. about this. So I feel like there's a lot of brand loyalty terms thrown around. People say it a lot. Um, do you think it's possible to have that for like a pre-owned seller or platform, or do you think it's primarily just for brands? Uh, and if you if you do think you can have that level of connection and trust with a pre-owned, do you have any examples or or how? Mm. I'll go mm. first because I definitely think it makes more sense to have a relationship with a pre-owned seller. I mean, you're buying stuff that's not brand new, right? So you're basically I'm buying I'm buying you like as a character, like what kind of person you are. Are you someone that's going to pick up my call when I'm like, hey, the pin fell out? Are you going to replace yeah. it? And so on. And Obviously, like you said, which I think is a really fair point, I think a lot of collectors, including myself, you start off thinking, I'm never going to sell anything. But then you do eventually get to a point and you think, yeah, I've evolved. Like, I want to sell stuff and I want to be able to be like, oh, I, I yeah, I just want to have you in my phone book. I don't want to be like, let me Google now and then yeah. try and figure it out. So the relationship thing matters a lot to me. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, I, I agree because like, um, it's the reason why people come to, uh, you to, uh, sell a watch. It's the reason why, um, I mean, when you say examples, I think Phillips is an example, right? Phillips is like, they do pre-owned stuff. Um, and you know, most of those people, yeah, they do go for, let's say, because of me, you know, I know some people they can sign because of me and that my relationship with them. But also there's a bunch of people that like, I mean, regularly come from this so-called street or just randomly cold and they want to consign with Phillips because of Phillips, the brand. Right. Yeah. So I think that's an example where like it does happen. I would say uh, some people, it, I think the tricky part is how do you like let's say you're growing the business right and you have those relationships with so many people not saying that you have to do it but like if if it's just you then it can you can never be like out of it you you know what I mean because you know the trust is with you once that you are out then you know it's not with the platform so if it's watch brothers platform it would give you maybe a bit more flexibility you know I don't know but I may not even be right. My, my impression is like, it's not how you would want to run your business anyway. Cause I think you want to do this until like you're very old and you want to have those personal relationships like, yeah. um, you know, and still be eating like hot noodles. You know, <laughs> you know this whole thing with like eating beans and noodles. I'm seriously <laughs> offended. Cause I ate beans today and I'm just like, beans are great. Like, it's I don't so- What beans did you eat? Like baked beans. Oh, okay. yeah. It's so yummy. It's like, why would anyone complain? It's super. They're, they're yummy. But they're, like baked beans give me gas. All right, but we all like ate beans like throughout <laughs> uni, right? Uh, did you not? Yeah, I was gonna say be- beans on toast is pretty yeah, good. No, like beans on uh, baked potato. Oh, I was never a massive fan of that. All right. I think beef on the beans on toast, right? Or like a uh, um, Heinz, you know, shapes. You know, <laughs> shapes, yeah, yeah, shapes yeah. spaghetti. The cheap, the cheap ass spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On like, 
your toast. It's so good. Yeah, that's it's what so Ben's good. been eating now. <laughs> like, yeah. just... basically, Ben, you never really graduated from your student life, and you just I know. Yeah. Shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still on it. Still on it. Yeah, you'll be visiting the kebab shop at a Saturday night, right? <laughs> at two, two a.m. <laughs> yeah, getting some cheesy fries <laughs> for a pound. I'll do. I'll keep the budget tight. <laughs> right. Um, do you have any more questions? I do. I do. Let me have a look. Okay. Um, this one, just because I'm hoping there's some interesting story here. Uh, what is your worst pre-owned watch purchasing experience or story that you could share? That's the worst. I've never had a bad one, actually. I've only I've only had good ones. I mean, I've heard tons of really bad ones, so I can tell you I can tell you the best one I've heard. Yeah, um, that'll be good. Okay, so guy orders um, from Chrono, and uh, I can't remember the exact country, but Eastern European country. He gets shipped a box, opens the box, and it's uh, just uh, rocks and weight inside. And he received this box at his workplace, which is WeWork. And then he's like, okay, I need to file a police report. And he's also gone back to the dealer and said, hey, this happened. The dealer's like, yeah, all right, show me the video. So he goes to WeWork and he's like, can I have the video? I need to do this, blah, blah, blah. And WeWork's like, no, we can't give it to you. So he's like, how am I going to get this video? And then he goes on to like um, Taobao, which is basically like Amazon, and um, gets these like glasses with the camera built in. And then he flirts with the secretary woman sitting at the front desk. And then goes behind her and tries to film like so the girl agrees to show him the video and he tries to film the video using the glasses and he practices all this goes back into the room watches the video and it's all blurry (laughs) so he's like all right i need to go and fly there and get my money back he hasn't told anyone like uh because the wife doesn't know because the wife would go berserk right about him spending money on this watch so he sends me a text. He's like, this is my location. I'm about to do this. And I'm like, don't do it. I'll never hear from you again. You're going to get killed, blah, blah, blah. He's like, that's why I'm leaving you like evidence in case like, you never hear from oh me again. So he goes. He so you goes, can go and chase him down and get killed as well. No, I wouldn't. That, I was just like super prepared to be like, yeah, I'm going to hear from him and he's going to be in hospital. So he goes there and uh, he goes in and they recognize him because he starts to talk about the situation. They speak in like uh, whatever language they're speaking in. And they're like, "Okay, follow us to the back room. The back room is where all the security cameras are. And the two like security guards basically shut the door and they're like, what do you want? Like, why are you making like you're creating a lot of chaos in this shop, blah, blah, blah. And then he got booted out of the store and that was it. (laughs) And never got his money. Yeah, this is a long A1. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. What was the long A1? Was it a difficult watch to get? It it, wasn't. It It was just just cheap. It wasn't even cheap. It didn't have box and papers, but it was just like, okay, the first time he saw it, he remembered the store name and then he went back to Hong Kong and then he used Chrono to get it. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean these these private buying and selling, I think is really tough to be honest. Yeah, um, and I still just remember that from the first few transactions I did. So you know, hats off to people who give it a go because yeah, this can happen for sure. Right, uh, I don't have one personally, and I can't 
I think of one that trumps that. So, <laughs> yeah. right, I've got a parcel of rocks I can send you if you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a parcel of something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Right. Okay. Um, let's go on to the pump push around. Okay. Yep. Right. Uh, favorite app that you have on your phone that you use that is that you don't use for work and it can't uh, be YouTube. youtube oh okay right mm, okay super quick yeah i've learned too many hours youtube like a lot you know yeah i think it, uh, when i need to ever, before i go to bed i go on youtube and i, know, I, I don't know why on. i do it's strange yeah. i never used I, to i actually go to bed really easily by the way it's not it, it's not something like oh i'm stuck on it what I are you guys watching on youtube Oh, loads of shit. Yeah, well, like, I was watching this guy called um, Wilderness or something. Wilderness. And this guy is cooking. Yeah. And he's like, cook- <laughs> no, Sorry. no, it's it's, yeah. it's it's really good. He's like cooking in Azerbaijan. Right. Yeah. And uh, you have to follow this shit. Yeah. Because it's just ASMR. Right. This guy oh, cooking. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fine. And like he was doing this like catfish, this massive catfish. And he like does a whole animal. Yeah. And you see him doing the whole thing. And it, it's just like, you're just watching it and think, wow, that's really cool. And it's not like food porn where you're thinking, oh, God, I'm so hungry. It, yeah. you, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. stuff that you can actually get. Well, you, you can't like get you, like you can go goat, and... a whole goat and then well, like, you... cut it up <laughs> and yeah, like, skin it. And like, honestly, he's doing the whole shit like, and roasting the... And he's like building these like handmade ovens and stuff and putting it in there. And All right. All right. Yeah, that's been my kind of go-to and then obviously you know the other day you said that you're into the shorts i'm into the shorts as well oh, yeah yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah they I'm drag you in yeah. yeah okay have you guys like i know you're like not big on the reels and the small vi- shorts like on instagram but the videos are funny stuff like i'll watch dog uh, stuff like uh, I, dogs yeah, do funny stuff I, yeah me day. too <laughs> i can just sit there for like an hour and just laugh until i'm yeah. crying and i'm just like are you even real? Like, I'll just be talking to myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, recently, I've got this one. I don't know why this has come up on my thing yet. Um, I quite like uh, Daniel Mack, where he goes in and goes like, you know, Daniel Mack, the guy that does the cars. And he goes, um, hey, I love your car. Great car. Like, what do you do for a living? Oh, yes. Oh, those, yeah. Yes, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, and it's like, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> but he's really on the on the money when his, his captions where he says mm-hmm. like i don't know clearly clearly daddy's money but not not admitting <laughs> it or something like this yeah uh, you know a credit for admitting it's daddy's money or you know and then like there's like i remember like and then there's some uh, motivational ones where they go like uh, what do you what do you do i remember this one right i actually thought long long could do this to make money because <laughs> they were asking college students how much money they had in their account right yeah and like you know, they were like 200 bucks some, some guy <laughs> yeah. some chinese guy said 53 cents <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then some girl said honestly fifty thousand yeah. us dollars and was like, whoa fifty thousand. Yeah. what are you doing do you really want to know and it, and it was like yeah and she goes I sell pictures of my feet. <laughs> I sell pictures of my feet. Yeah. And I was like, and then he actually quoted the website. It's called Fun for Feet. Yeah. And I was totally, I was totally thinking, you know, I was I thinking could, like I monetizing could. the weight in this yeah. podcast. 
be like selling pictures of Long Long's feet. Yeah, sure. Then I realized you don't really need the waiting list podcast to do it. You could just do it. I could just do it. Yeah, she doesn't need yeah. a partner there. She could just ditch yeah. her on this one thing. But for anybody that like does like feet out there, Long Long has great. <laughs> no, <God. laughs> Long Long has great feet. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Sorry, got sidetracked. Um, <laughs> next question. If you could invent something for the world, what would it be? It doesn't exist so, yet. What would it be? It's quite deep. Um, wow, really deep. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's too deep. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are heads down, a bit busy and not too happy. So maybe something that could reverse that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know what. You know, that's probably the thing I see the most and think, oh, that's not that's not great. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Something along those lines. Maybe it's just you can't work past five and it's just a rule. Get people some life in the evenings. Who knows? Can I just say hmm. there was that documentary about like um, social media and trying to get people to get off it? Yeah. But they had like excellent like, Facebook employees and whatever. <laughs> I swear Ben was like one of those people with the blurred <laughs> face. Like he's definitely one of those people who are like spilling the secrets. Yeah. What was the result of that? What do you mean? Like uh they got people they're trying to get people off. Well, it, nothing. Right? I mean, like it's uh, it, I'm sure like you agree, right, Ben? It's not like it's just something that's gonna go away. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the three of us are still in that age group that we don't actually need it that much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You could give or take it, but when you're using it, you're yeah. like hooked. Like what we're yeah. just saying. Yeah. So yeah, it is really interesting um, like how much time people yeah. spend on this stuff. And it's, I can't really talk, you know, cause a lot of my Instagram stuff is watch business related. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a really so, tricky yeah. scenario. You know, yeah. you know, I was at the market today with the trade show, right? There's, there's women there like, Live doing streaming. the yeah doing the yeah. live stream like basically it's like is it qwc or qvc you know the, the yeah. tv yeah uh, tv shopping right yeah and they are just on it and the way the energy they have to put in honestly content creation what a job man yeah. mm-hmm. not something yeah. that i i i would want to rush into mm-hmm. that's, that's for sure right next one um if you could have invented something already existing, what would it have been and why? Isn't that what we just did, no? No. Oh. Before it was something, something that you... Something already existing. Yeah, oh. something that already... In... Yeah. Wait, does Ooh, he get the money been. from the invention or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm putting that in. Yeah, okay. Well. And one item, right? Not the brand. One item. Well... Because did, it's like, I, are you talking about Apple or like the iPod? Or are you talking about Dyson or the Dyson fan? That kind of thing. I'm talking about a product then. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, gosh. You put me on the spot on these. I don't really know. Um... <laughs> yeah, you thought you could go into <laughs> historical data for the pump pushes. No. I came no. with some original ones. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to invent the pump pushes. Um, oh, I don't know. It'd just be something that's... Um, you know, could retire me early. How about that? We'll just what keep about it baked beans? <laughs> to keep in theme with the show, maybe yeah. baked beans or noodles. <laughs> well, I thought Coke, like not yeah. the drug. Yeah, I mean, like Coca Cola. Yeah, oh, that's a great. That's a great invention. You know, like that what is. does that mean when they're drinking that? 
What about the cat's eyes in the roads? I heard that the person who invented that is still cashing in from every time they lay a road. They put those little dots down yeah. the middle to help you see at night. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's an early, yeah. an early one to get in on for sure. I don't know. You've caught me off with these for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. The next one, the last one, right? Favorite game you've ever played? That could be like on your phone. It could be on the console. It could be a board game, anything. No, this is easy. This was like one of those settlers or one of, I think it's called settlers where you build your little empire, um, build a little castle and stuff like that. Online. Yeah. It's like a computer thing or something. It was insane. That's totally like long, long. Yeah. I'm like getting excited thinking about it. I play age of empires and it's the same. Yeah. That's it. That's the, uh, that was the better one. Yeah. That's it. It was insane. And uh, you've only just reminded me of that. actually. You feel like you're part of the community and you're like (laughs) making big moves and like, yeah. I'm going to plant like the rice field here and then I'm going to put the king there. And it's like, oh my God, he feels so good. Yeah. It takes yeah. a lot of uh, strategy as well. It's, yeah. It's a crazy game, actually. I'm yeah. probably going to try and get hold of that. In fact, the other one is um, I'm a bit of a cycling nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, and you used to be able to get like cycling manager or something like that. <laughs> I'd be like football manager, manager for cycling. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, but you could that only... sounds so dry. <laughs> you, could only, uh, you could only have it on a PC. Yeah. So I'd have to do that thing where you like crack your Mac into two things. You know, when you used to be able to like make a PC version of your Mac. Yeah, or something? Yeah, I used yeah. to just like destroy my computer doing that to have cycling manager. And uh, I loved it. Oh, I used God. to do a bit of cycling. So <laughs> neither of you are looking at me with a uh, yeah. green looks on that one. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm, yeah. Majority of this episode was good PR until you until you really like went to new depths with that cycling. Well, <laughs> I was just looking at the time now. It's probably going to get edited out, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So over time, cut it out. (laughs) Right. Well, that um, has really flown by. That actually Mm -hmm. ends the podcast with you, Ben. I hope you enjoyed your time. How did you find it? Yeah, it was really, really good fun. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. So um, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you, Long Long. Thank you, Ben. Thanks. Thanks Bye. As always, thank you for listening to the Waiting List Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at the Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.